You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. So do you remember the story of Goldilocks? You remember that growing up (laughs) where that... That girl breaks into, gets lost in the woods, wandering around, finally finds the house of the bears and breaks into the bear's house. And she's lonely and cold and the bears have gone out and they're wandering through the woods. And so she comes along and she's really, really hungry. And she goes over and she sits down at their table and she picks up a bowl of porridge and she takes a taste and goes, ooh, it's, it's way too cold. And then she picks up another bowl of porridge and says, ooh, it's way too hot. And then she picks up another bowl and goes, oh, it's just right. So then she's walking around and she sits on a chair and goes, oh, it's too hard. And she walks on another chair and goes, oh, it's, it's too soft. She walks to another chair and she goes, oh, it's just right. And she's been there a while and she's so tired. So she goes to the bed and she lies down in one bed. She goes, oh, it's too hard. And she gets into the other bed and she goes, oh, it's too uh, soft. And then she gets to the other bed and she goes, oh, it's just right. Now, the three bears come back and discover it, and that's the, you know, the rest of the story. But the important part here is what I call the Goldilocks principle of finding the just right. We all are looking for that just right. And we do that in relationships. In fact, it's very interesting to me to watch that as couples are building their relationships, every couple builds a very distinct relationship. Just as there are all of these individuals in the world, there are all of these distinct relationships in the world, marriages in the world. They all have a slight different flavor. Now, I have two brothers, uh, and we all have very different marriages in terms of how we interact with our spouses and how we handle things and how we think about things and how we raise our kids and all those. It's not like they're exact opposites, but they are distinct. And yet we came from the same household. You know, our parents, we had the same married parents because what happens is that we, we bring both of our, uh, our individual personalities and our spouse's personality and our likes and dislikes and our comfort levels into the relationship, and we find this place where we kind of make it work. Sometimes couples do that by talking about it. You know, they interact about what they want in a relationship of how they'll do conflict or how they'll divide up the household duties or how they'll take care of the kids or how they're going to parent. So many of these ways that we interact, some couples talk about it, but many couples don't talk about it as much as they kind of non-verbally negotiate it. And they settle into patterns, and it includes patterns of control and responsibility, conflict management, financial matters, all of those pieces. So we build a distinct relationship around conflicts and interactions and problem-solving, tackling difficulties, all those other pieces. And somehow we're trying to find a way that has to work for both people. What is often true in a marital crisis is the balance that a couple finds either never did work for one or both or no longer works for one or both. Sometimes it's because of maturity levels. You know, when couples get together, their maturity changes over time. So something that worked at one point may suddenly no longer work for them. And part of the task of a marriage is allowing that change to happen. When we grow 
and change. The relationship gets stretched and changed in new ways as long as we allow that to happen. But many times couples are resistant to seeing that there is a possibility that something might change. We get cemented in the way things were, which brings us to Goldilocks. Goldilocks uh, was looking for the just right. Sits one place, it's too hard. Another place, it's too soft. It's just right. You see the same thing with couples. You know, it, maybe they, somebody fusses too loud or too soft, but there's just right. There's somewhere that each couple tries to find the just right place. In the case of strong marriages, they find a balance that works for both of them. Now, I will be honest and tell you that there are some relationships that are uh, extremely dysfunctional in what balance they both found that works for them. But usually, the, even in that dysfunction, if it's working for both of them, nothing's going to change. So I'm talking about the healthy, strong marriages. They have found the Goldilocks spot that works for both of them in ways that are fulfilling, not damaging, in ways that are loving, uh, not you know playing on each other's fears and, and such, but it works for both of them. So here's what's true in a marriage that's in trouble. The principle is only up for one person. It's not working for both people. So many times people come into my, ha- my office and they tell me that how their spouse approaches something, they just can't deal with it, right? And their spouse is completely shocked by that because they say, I've always done it that way. And that what they don't understand is two possibilities. A spouse has always struggled with that or that spouse has changed and is either willing now to confront it or it no longer fits. Now, the thing about this is that when you're trying to work on saving a relationship, the Goldilocks principle is still true. You're still trying to arrive at the right place. And that's part of the problem. When I'm talking with couples about how to save their relationship, there are some themes that are universal, but how a particular couple carries it out is up to them. When I was doing premarital work with couples, we would talk about how they might do their finances. And many times it started out as a too hard, too soft, just right kind of conversation. Uh, What I mean by that is they would start telling me about it and I would start pushing against their thoughts. And because they had never been married, they never had the thoughts to understand the questions to ask. So, for instance, for me, if you've listened to me much, you realize that I believe that marriage is about building a we. I believe that is universal, meaning there's not a Goldilocks principle to that. You're either building a we or you're going to end up fighting against each other. So that's the underlying principle because that's creating the Goldilocks, right? That's the the creating what finds the balance, that's that extra piece there that's the, 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 uh, the sense of being this team, this having this identity as a couple. That's the Goldilocks we're talking about. And then there are two people in the relationship that are also trying to be Goldilocks, trying to figure out what works for them. So I believe that people uh, are working towards being a we or should be working on being a we as part of marriage. Many people don't know that's what they're working on, so they don't work towards it. But that is the goal of marriage, being a we. 
So that as the background, people would come into my office and I would say, well, tell me about how you're going to deal with your money. They were there because their church had said, if we're going to marry you, you have to go see this guy and talk with him. I, I would do the work for uh, five or six churches in my community uh, and would talk with each of their couples coming through, trying to prepare them to understand what was about to happen to them, not in the, in the wedding, but in their marriage going forward. At that point, people think everything is wonderful. They'll always feel in love and they can't understand how it could possibly change. And I can guarantee them it will change. So what I'm trying to prepare them for is to create the vessel of the we to carry them through the process of becoming a we. Thinking about the, the construction of that around them. So back to money. Money is one of those areas where we show whether we're working towards a we or away from a we. How we treat money shows whether somebody is moving towards or away. If the couple is going your money, my money, your account, my account, it's going to be very difficult to say our money. The reality is in marriage, there, the household has resources and the household has expenses. However, we divide it internally uh, that is a false construction internally. So people say, well, I've got my account. My spouse has their account. It's their money, my money. That's not really true in the overall sense that that household has the expenses and the assets, the assets to cover the expenses. Now, it may be unfairly treated inside, but in reality, it's household. So uh, when we do that mental accounting, that's the term that accountants use, psychological accountants use, mental accounting is when you make divisions where there are none. And that's what is true in a household. So back to couples coming in, I would say, you know, how are you going to do your money? And, uh, and I remember one distinct couple because I watched them change week after week. First week, they told me, and I said, I want you to think about this and this. And I was basically saying, think about being a we. So he had a really high income. She had a very low income. Their first stab at, at doing their finances was that they would split all expenses and anything left over would be their money right? Each of their money. So he would pay his half of expenses. She would pay ha her half of expenses. And then everything else was his that he brought in and everything that she brought in was hers. You can see the problem right off the bat. They were trying to say, you, you take your fair share, I'll do my fair share. And it's halfsies on that. Because they lived a fairly uh, good lifestyle, um, she had nothing left over when she paid all the bills. He had lots left over when they paid the bills. So he, had, he, could, he was thinking of all the things he could do. She had nothing she could do. So I, I pointed that out. And so they came back the next week and they'd done a little problem solving. So they decided that they would proportionally pay for the expenses. He would, they would look at the overall expenses and it, and it amounted, the overall expenses, they would kind of figure out what that amounted to. And he would pay a percentage uh, of his income into that and she would pay a percentage. So let's say that 10% of each of their incomes would go towards expenses. And I think actually it was more like, you know, 30% was going to go towards expenses. So a 30% bite of his and a 30% bite of hers. So just for rough figures, let's say in a week, and this is, this is reducing it greatly just for you know, clarity, she made $100 and let's say he made $1,000. He made multiples of that, um, but let's just go with that. 
so at the end of the week, you know, she had to pay 30% of hers in. So she made $100, 30%, seven. So she, she put in uh, $30. She had $70 left over, right? He put in uh, $700. He had $300. Or, I mean, $300. He had $700 left over. So she had $70 left over. He had $700 left over. Proportionately, they had uh, changed the, the arena, but they were still doing one thing. You versus me. Your expenses, my expenses. Right now they were saying a fair share, but it was still a fair share. It wasn't the fairness of the expenses. It was the fairness of the percentage. And yet it was still unfair. So I pushed them about that a little bit. And they finally decided that they would pull their money together and that each of them would then get an equal amount that they could use as our, as my money, your money, my money, the mad money of each person because they had our resource and each of them had their individual. It took them a while, but you'll notice what they finally came to. That's the Goldilocks of their um, finances. All along, she had been uncomfortable with it. He had been overly comfortable with it because he's the winner in that. She was the loser. And so if they had continued the way they had initially suggested, over time it would be more and more unfair for her. She'd be more and more resentful. But more than that, they were not walking towards being a we. The money was going to be a divisive issue down the road. Why was it going to be? Because they weren't treating it as our resource. They were treating it as part and part. And so they could have walked into that thinking they'd arrived at Goldilocks, and they hadn't. It wasn't just right. So what does this all mean for any relationship? This isn't just about money. How we do conflict how we do parenting. You know, sometimes people get into how they divide up the, the parenting or the caregiving of the house and somebody's going, why am I stuck with all of it? And the other person is going, well, you know, I shouldn't be stuck with all of it, but they haven't come to the Goldilocks of it. It's not just right for each other. This is true about sex. You know, are we connected in ways that feel just right to both of us, fulfilling to both of us? It's about affection, Am I getting the amount of affection I want? Are you getting the amount of affection you want? It's about attention. Are we getting the amount of attention that each of, attention that each of us wants? Or is it feeling like not right, too hard, too soft? We're trying to get to just right. So what does that mean? The first thing it means is you need to work to find what's just right for both people. Big mistake in people working on saving their marriage is they're try- they, they end up uh, working on something that is not about both. Remember, a we is about both people being on. Now, just right may mean that it's a little too soft for one, a little too hard for the other, but it manages to get both of them about where they need to be. The second thing is that when you're working to save a marriage, you're also looking for what's going to be just right for the spouse, is there enough connection, but not too much or too little? Okay, so you got to manage this differently uh, when you're trying to save the marriage. You're trying to build towards something that's just right for both people. But let's talk about emotional space. If one person is saying, hey, I need space, for the person who doesn't want the space, who wants the closeness, for right then, that can feel like it's not just right. 
But recognize that if you push for something else, you may be creating anxiety for the other spouse that they can't tolerate. They've got to be more in an all right space, the just right space, while you're working to save the relationship. When you, As you move into building the relationship, you want to end up at a place where both people are at just right. But you may have to recognize that while you're in the effort and the other person has not yet uh, step back into the relationship, it may not be quite right for you. So while I say that you're building a relationship that is just right, and it's going to be distinctly just right for distinctly the two of you, I'm not saying at all times you're going to be just right. Sometimes it's a little hard, a little soft, and you're trying to build towards something else because you, you recognize in the short term you may not get what you want. Gary Chapman talks about this in Speaking Love Languages to say that if you're working on saving a relationship, your love tank may be empty too. But if you're committed to working on the relationship, you've got to accept that it may have to be empty a while. You may have to be filling your spouse's tank for a while in order to get to something that works for both of you. That's just part of the process because you're in and the other person is out. And so in that way, you can't expect them to be ready to jump fully in. So don't expect a spouse to fill your love tank, as to use Gary Chapman's term, um, when they are not feeling that they are necessarily uh, signed up for the process. Uh, what we're talking about here is having the place where you're trying to build a just right for the two of you long term. But in the short term, you may have to recognize that that's not where you both are. You're not both going to be just right while you're building it. That's the bad news. The good news is that just right can look long term can look uniquely to you. Goldilocks found it as the place in the middle, and that's where you two will find it also, but in the short term, recognize there may be another piece to question. I hope this has been helpful just to think in your mind that your relationship isn't going to be like your friend's relationship, your parent's relationship, your sibling's relationship, the ones you see on TV, the ones you read in the books, the ones you see in the magazines, the ones in the newspapers. It is distinctly your relationship. But in that distinctness, I hope you recognize that you're still trying to build that place of being a we. The distinct just right will be for the two of you. But while you're working on saving a marriage... It may be that you have to be a bit uncomfortable sitting at a too soft or too hard place while you're working to make sure that your spouse is feeling just right at that point, a comfort for being able to be a part of the relationship. Hope that's helpful. I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. 